Praise God. Let's lift up our hands all across this building, and let's just continue to worship Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's lift up our hands, and let's continue to worship him. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's worship him. Is that your prayer here today? I just want to be in your presence. Hallelujah. I didn't come for any other reason, God. I have come to be in the presence of the Lord. I have come to give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Let's love him. Somebody lift up your voice. Do you feel the presence of your loving Father in this house? It, it doesn't matter what you've been going through. I want to tell you, God loves you, and his presence is here. And you can get anything that you have need of in this building if you just lift up your voice and begin to call upon his name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. As was mentioned already, happy Father's Day to all of our dads in the house of the Lord. Let's give them another hand. Amen. And we also want to mention to all of our, all of our fathers, we do have a, a special gift for every father in, in the building. Get that right before you leave. Uh, they'll have that out in the foyer, and uh, it, it's, it's definitely made for men. So uh, you're going to enjoy it, and, and uh, it'll be a blessing to you. Amen. And so uh, we are so grateful for all that are here. Amen. I didn't get a chance to say it so much uh, on Wednesday, but I want to tell you we had a great time last week with our kids' revival. How many enjoyed that? And it's good to see a lot of our kids back in the house of the Lord. And at this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classrooms. Everybody say God bless our Sunday school kids. And God bless our teachers. Amen. For everyone else, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse number 7. Amen. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 7. And it's also great to have Rob in the house of the Lord with us. Amen. And several other guests and visitors, we're glad to have you. Amen. I was praying for this service as I do for each service. And uh, I had kind of started working on something a couple months ago. And, uh, and that's kind of how I do. I like to be real prepared. And so I started preparing for things early. But um, I was reading, just kind of doing my standard study and my reading program. And if you read through your Bible on this week's deal, I'm going to be reading a text that you would have already read. And something jumped out at me, and I felt like the Lord told me, this is what you need to speak about uh, for Father's Day Sunday. And so I want to do my best to obey the Lord, and I believe that God's going to speak to us today. How many is ready to hear the word of the Lord? Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 7. The Bible says, Now it was in the heart of David my father to build an house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, For as much as it was in thine heart to build an house for my name, thou didst well that it was in your heart. God is saying, David, I'm glad it was in your heart. In fact, it was, you had good things in your heart. 
notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house. David, I know it's in your heart, but it's not going to be up to you. Notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son, now notice this, which shall come forth out of your loins. It's a prophecy that was given to David. He had it in his heart before he ever had Solomon in his hands. He had it in his heart before he ever had his son in his hands. And he said, he shall build a house for my name. The Lord therefore hath performed his word that he spoken. For I am risen up in the room of David my father and am set on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised and have built the house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And in it I have put the ark wherein is the covenant of the Lord which he had made with the children of Israel. And he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel. And he spread forth his hands. For Solomon had made brazen scaffold of five cubits long and five cubits broad and three cubits high. And he set it in the midst of the court. And he stood upon it and he kneeled down upon his knees before the congregation of Israel. And he spread forth his hands towards heaven. God spoke to David after David said, I want to build you a house. The Bible says it was in the heart of David. But God spoke to him and said, it's not going to be in your hands. It's going to be in your son's hands to build the house. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Handing down your heart. Handing down your heart. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands as we begin to magnify the Lord. Come on, all across this building, somebody lift up your voice and magnify him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give him praise. Hallelujah, come on. There's a legacy that needs to be left down from one generation to another. Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah, come on. Somebody lift up your, your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. God, I pray, help us to pass down our heart to this next generation in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. Let's clap our hands one more time unto the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Handing down your heart. Now, I'm going to be preaching today to everybody that's here, but I... Understand it's Father's Day, and to be honest with you, I've got a word that I feel like is predominantly to the men and the young men in the house of the Lord. But if this got something for you, I want you to receive it as well. Amen. David is listed. He's a hero in, in our Bibles, and he's a hero to most people in this building. But the time over the life of David is that he ran after God's own heart. Amen. He was a man after God's own heart. What a wonderful thing to be written down on your tombstone that one day when we all inevitably pass away, for them to say, that man loved God. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't have a lot, of, uh, a lot of dreams and desires in life beyond this. I want to do a lot of things. I want to accomplish a lot. I I'd love to be, uh, to be able to hand a legacy down that's incredible. 
But, but I don't want to do that at the expense of loving God. If nothing else is ever about Evan Hood, I hope that somebody writes down, he loved God. I hope you, you don't have any other desire than that, that when people look at your life, it up in that simple phrase, they loved God. God. Uh, you may not be the most athletic. You may not be the wealthiest. You may not have uh, the most PhD. You may not have enough degrees to fill a thermometer. But at the end of life, I hope that they see you the way they speak about David. They loved God. And David got, got what a wonderful thing to be written down in his life. Loving and being a man after God's own heart. Really, there's two meanings there. First, it can mean that he was patterned after the heartbeat of God. That in everything David did, he did things in the way that God would have done them. David would later write, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in his ways. And when you have a heart for God, you're not going to try to go your own way. You're not going to try to be your own man. You're going to try to do things the way God would do it. When, you, when you're a man that loves God, you want to please God in everything you say, in everything you do, in everything you're involved in. When you're a man that loves God, you want it to be known in your actions and your thoughts, in your deeds. You want everybody to know it needs to come out of you that you're a man after God's own heart. So everything he did was patterned after the heartbeat of God. David would write Psalms 19 and Psalms 119, longest chapter in the Bible. And he would talk, and if you read it, it's about the commandments. It's about obedience. It's about the, the statutes of the Lord. It's about the principles of the Lord. It's all of these ordinances and things. And David said, I delight your law more than my necessary food. I have delight in your law. I think your word is more beautiful. There's something about David. He loved God, and he loved God's word. He was a man after God's own heart. Secondly, to be a man after God's own heart can mean that he was pursuing God's heart with all of his own heart. To, to really be a man after God's own heart, you can't be inactive when it comes to it. You have to be intentional. Amen. I want to tell you, if you want to be a man after God's own heart, you have to do what David said in Psalms 119.9. Every young man, listen to me. He said, how shall a young man cleanse his way? How are you going to make it in this crazy, wicked world? He said there's only one way you can do that. you got to take heed. you got to slow down and listen to the word of the Lord. you got to take heed according to his word. You've got to listen with the intent to obey the word of God. That's the only way any of us are going to make it in this wicked world. The only way any young man's ever going to make it is not by listening to the, to the college professor. It's not by listening to the media. It's not by listening to a TikTok star or some social media guru. The only way we're going to make it is we've got to get in the Word of God, and we've got to pursue God and learn about Him. I want to tell you, I want to know what God thinks. I want to know what God says. I want to know because His Word will endure forever. Hallelujah, let's give God praise. The college professor will die in a couple years, but the word of the Lord will stand and endure the test of time. It's endured generation after generation. It's endured turmoil after turmoil, wars and rumors of wars, and God's word is still endured, and the only way you're going to make it, the only way you're going to endure is you got to pursue God through his word. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. 
David said in Psalms 119 and 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In Psalms 119.105, he said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That sounds like a man that was pursuing God's heart. I want to tell you, when you don't know what to do, you get in the word of God, and it will be a lamp where you are. It'll tell you where you are, but it doesn't just stop and tell you where you are. It'll be a light unto your path. It'll show you the direction you need to go. Amen. When you pursue God, he'll make sure your steps are ordered. When you pursue God, he'll make sure you're blessed. When you pursue God, he'll make sure he opens the right doors and closes the wrong ones. David's heartbeat was after God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be close to God. We see David's heart on display from the very first biblical encounter. He is keeping his father's sheep. He's got an obedient heart. I want to tell you, we, 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 are, we are lacking in this generation on something called obedience. Amen. He was honoring his father and his mother. Amen. The Bible says that's the first commandment with promise. Every one of us. Have a commandment on our life. Doesn't mean your parents are perfect. Doesn't mean that your father, your mother's got it all together. But you do your best to obey where you can obey, where it doesn't disagree with the word of the Lord. And you do your best to honor them. And David had a heart that was honoring. And David had a heart that was obedient. And the Bible declares that he kept his father's sheep. Notice the heart of David. He had a heart like God's heart. He was defending the defenseless. But here's the next part about David we read about. He's defending the defenseless while simultaneously he's writing poetry and love songs and he, uh, towards his God. He's writing praise and worship, things that we still read in the book of Psalms. He didn't wait until he was 45 years old to do it either. He did it while he was a young man. He was just letting God know, while I'm on the backside of the mountain and nobody knows my name, I just want you to know my heart says yes to the Lord. I just want you to know whether anybody else sees it or not. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I praise you. The heartbeat of David was to be a praiser. The heartbeat of David was to be a worshiper. The heartbeat of David was to, was to give God all of his heart. Amen. We see his heart when he is willingly serving his brothers in the battle against the Philistines. Amen. He's being mocked and made fun of by his brothers, but he doesn't let that affect his service. I want to have a heart like David's heart. Amen. We see his courageous heart when he stands up before Goliath and he fights in a battle that everyone else was too scared to get involved in. I thank God for people that have a courageous heart. You know, in this generation, you can't have a soft heart. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about having a hard heart, soft heart. I'm talking about you can't be weak-hearted. Amen. You, you got you to have a stalwart heart. you got to have a heart that's courageous. Because at the end of the day, we're going to be facing all sorts of things in this world. And you can't capitulate to the world. You've got to have a heart that is strong in the Lord. And David went to fight when everybody else was running. Amen. We see his heart as he played skillfully on his instrument before the Lord. Notice how the Bible never says he played uh, lackadaisically. Notice how it never says David played mediocre. He did not play uh, just, oh, well, I just get up there and just figure it out. I thank God for our musicians that don't just show up and just, well, we'll figure out how to play it when we get there. I, I thank God for people that practice and put in the effort. Amen. Notice the heartbeat of David. He said, I'm not just going to show up and offer to the Lord uh, just my least. He said, I'm going to offer to the Lord my best. 
And when he played, he played with, with all that his fingers could strum on his harp. And he did everything to his power to sing to the best of his ability. Even the heart of David was, I want to worship God, and I want to worship God well. We see his heart as he is serving the Lord in music. And, and notice how spiritually uh, and, and intense his heartbeat was. That his worship drove away the evil spirits off of King Saul. Amen. Because he had a heart to worship, he was able to enter spiritual warfare and drive away evil spirits from Saul. We see his righteous heart as he runs from Saul and refuses to do him harm because he was the anointed of God. Amen. We see his steadfast heart as he fights battle after battle for God and for God's people. We see his heart as he danced before the ark of God unashamedly. We even see his heart when he is in the moment of his greatest failure. Amen. He's done something that 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 anybody in this building would be embarrassed of. Amen. The Bible declares he was so convicted that for an entire year, he said, my bones were raging inside me. He said, I couldn't get a good night's rest. His heart was pumping in his chest because he knew he had done wrong. He knew he had sinned. His heart would not let him rest. And when he repented of his sins, he wrote Psalms 51 and 10. He said, Lord, I just want to tell you something I'm concerned about. Create in me a clean heart. David had a heart after God. I want to tell you, when you have a heart after God, that doesn't mean you're perfect. You fall down. You make mistakes. But when you have a heart after God, you say, Lord, clean my heart out. God, make my heart right and renew a right spirit in me. David's heart couldn't rest when he was sinning. His heart was on display when he declared he wanted to build God's house. His heart was on display when he danced with all his might before the ark. Amen. He took, his heart was on display when after every battle, he took the spoils of war and he took actions to save those materials so that one day, if God would give him the opportunity, he would build God a house. What an incredible heart. Amen. In fact, when you notice when David is called, Samuel goes by to all of his brothers and he tries to anoint his brothers. But notice what God said. He said, Samuel, don't just look at the outward appearance. Because all of David's brothers look like soldiers. They look like miniature Saul's. They look like kings. They look like they had it all together. He said, he said Samuel, don't get it twisted. I, I, the, I, the outside, you can see all that. He said, but I want to tell you, I do something that man doesn't do. He said, I, the Lord, look at the heart. I want to tell everybody in this building, your heart matters to God. Amen. God cares about what's in your heart. Every man, woman, child, teenager, God cares about what's in your heart. It matters what's in your heart. Amen. And when the time came to anoint David, it was the one that had the right heart. Not the one that was the smartest, the toughest, the tallest, the best. I thank God that his criteria was heart because, man, I didn't have anything else. Amen. He didn't, he, I thank God his criteria wasn't money because I didn't have no money. I thank God his criteria wasn't perfect pedigree because I came from a drug home. I thank God that his criteria wasn't all this other stuff. I thank God that he was just looking. I said, Lord, when I came to the altar for the first time, I didn't have anything to offer on that altar. So I just thought, God, I'll give you my heart. 
I want to tell you that's all God was looking for in the first place. When you came to church, amen, when you come to this place, I want to tell you what God's looking for. He's looking for your heart. In the process of you pursuing God's heart, God's been pursuing your heart. God, somebody give him praise. Somebody shout and give him worship from your whole heart. Worship him with your whole heart. Give him praise from your whole heart. Hallelujah. There's people in this building that love God, and it's important that you do so. God cares so much about what's in our heart that the very first commandment in the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, if you have your Bibles, Jesus is later asked the question, what's the greatest of all the commandments in Mark 12, 29 and 28 and 29? And he said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And he quotes it, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Amen. Can I tell everybody, God wants you to serve him with your whole heart. Our world's half-hearted about a lot of things. But when it comes to God, don't be half-hearted. Uh, you, you can, I don't care who wins the Super Bowl. I don't care who, who's, who's going to the major leagues. I don't care uh, uh, who's, the, who's the next president. I, I don't care who wins the next show. Or I don't care about all this other thing. But I do know there's one thing I care about. I care about the Lord with my whole heart. And if there's one thing we gotta be wholehearted about, we gotta be wholehearted about Jesus. We gotta be wholehearted about God. We gotta be wholehearted about the church. We Notice, we like to quote it in apostolic church, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is a commandment. It is a commandment that there's one God. It's not just our doctrine that we believe there's one God. It's a commandment that there's one God. And, and, and that commandment doesn't stop with there, being, with there being one God. That commandment continues. We are to love God with all. Everybody say all. All your heart. I want to tell everybody in this building, it matters how much of your heart you give to God. You can't give God 99%. 99% ain't enough. You can't give God 25%. 25% isn't enough. you got to give God all. Notice the next part of this. He says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. It matters what's in your heart. It's a commandment what's in your heart. Amen. Let me just put it this way. Amen. In the very next part of this verse, it says, the commandment which I command this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when you sit in thine house. I got a question. What do you talk about when you're at home? I tell you what you talk about at home will determine what's in your heart. And when you walk by the way, when you're just going about your day, what do you talk about? I want to I tell you that's where your heart is. When you lie down, when you're getting ready to go to bed, what do you start dreaming about? What do you daydream about? Amen. That's where your heart is. When you rise up, when you get up in the morning, what's the first thought that comes to your head? What's the first action you take? That'll tell you where your heart is. He said you'll bind it for a sign upon your hand. Everything you're involved in, everything you do. 
everything the Bible says, whatever you do in word or in deed, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. When you put your hand to the plow and you don't look back, amen, that's what your heart's doing. Amen. I want to tell you, I put my hand to the plow of church and I'm not looking back. I put my hand to the altar and I'm not looking back. I it matters what you put in your heart. It matters what you put in your heart. He said you're going to have it as frontless between your eyes. What are you always focused on? What are you always thinking about? Amen. I want to tell you, holiness begins between your ears. What is going on in the middle of your head? What are you thinking about? I want to tell you, that's where your heart is. And he said, and you shall write them on the post of your house and on your gates. What's written over your home? Is it written, uh, we love the world? Or is it written, we love God? Is it written, we indulge in things God says not to do? Or is it written, we love God and we forsake all those other things and we cleave to him only? I want you to notice this commandment. You're to love God with all your, everybody say mine. My heart. And then you teach them to your children. Let me preach and talk to every parent, grandparent, Aunt, uncle, step-parent, step-up parent, whatever you are, uh, you, you know, second cousin twice removed that has people you take care of. I want to tell you, before it will ever get in the next generation's heart, it's got to be in your heart. God cares about what's in your heart. I want to tell you why it's a commandment from God for it to be in your heart. I, I'll tell you why it's a commandment. Because if it's not in your heart, it'll never get in the hands of the next generation. And if it never gets in the hands of the next generation, it has no hope of being in the heart of the next generation. But if we'll get it in our heart, we can put it in their hands. If we can get it in our heart, we can. Now, that doesn't mean they're always going to do right with it. But if we get it in our heart, we can put it in their hands. And they have the opportunity to put it in their heart as well for the next generation. And this promise will be to you and to your children. It becomes a generational thing uh, where I love God. My kids love God. My grandkids love God. My great-grandkids love God. But it has to start somewhere. It's got to start with your heart. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God some praise. I don't want to push the buck and say, I'll let the next generation figure out getting it in their heart. It's got to start with me. Amen. How do things enter the heart? That's a good question. It enters through our five senses. What do you look at? What do you listen to? What do you think about? What do you touch? What do you taste? What are you, what are you involved in? All of those areas and avenues are ways that enter the heart. It enters our heart through our thoughts, what we think about, what do you focus on and dwell on, that's what's eventually going to get in your heart. This is why the Bible says we got to meditate on the word of the Lord. The difference between Eastern meditation and biblical meditation is Eastern meditation says empty your mind. But biblical meditation says fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with the things of God. I want to tell you, when you're driving down the road, uh, amen, why don't you put on some preaching? When you're driving down the road, if you want the Word of God to get in your heart, why don't you listen to the Word of God? It'll never get in your heart if it doesn't first get in your head. If it does, And the only way it gets in your head is through your eyes and through your ears. But I want to tell you, if it gets in your heart, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And now you're not only hearing it, you're not only reading it, but you start prophesying propagating it and speaking about it and talking to I want to tell you it gets in your heart and then it gets put into their hands 
It gets put in our heart through our actions. What do we involve ourselves in? We can say we believe something, but we'll find out if we do by our actions. When I say heart, let me help every man in this building that tuned me out because I said the word heart at the very beginning of the service. When I say heart, I don't mean gushy feelings and emotions. All the men shuddered at the thought of feelings and emotions. Ask my wife, nine times out of ten, I'm a robot. I'm only emotional when it comes to Jesus. Hallelujah. But I'm pretty much a robot the rest of the time. But I'm not talking about that when I talk about heart, although that is part of your heart. You know, I will say this. Well, well, preacher, I don't know why y'all dance and worship like that. I'm just not emotional. No, you're emotional. We'll find out what you're emotional about. Your favorite team scores a touchdown, and you jump and throw the chips all over everywhere. We find out you're emotional. It's all about just harnessing your emotions to where now there, there are emotions that are being used to worship and praise God. When I say emotions, heart, I'm not talking about emotions. I'm, I mean, what are you thinking about? What is your thought life look like? What do you dream about? What entertains you? What speaks to you? What are you involved in? What do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your money on? Every bit of this is a revealing factor of what's going on in the heart. Uh, amen. I want to tell you, we've got to be careful what gets in our heart. You know the old phrase that says, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see, for the Father up above is looking down with love. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. I want to tell you there's another part to that. you got to be careful, amen, little eyes, what you see, because there's other little eyes that are watching you. There's other people that are paying attention to you, and if you're watching it, they're watching you. And there is a generational, uh, uh, there's a generational mimicking that goes on. Uh, amen. They say by the age of five, uh, a child is pretty much set in in what they're going to think and how they're going to think. That doesn't mean it can't change. Uh, this is why they believe that Moses was with his mother and his father until he was about five years old, and they had told him, and they told him, "There's one God. There's one God. There's one God." And that five years was all it took that when the time came for him to separate himself uh, from Egypt, uh, he was able to say, I believe in the one God. I don't believe in the plethora of gods. Uh, I want to tell you, what you do in your home makes a difference. Uh, what you watch makes a difference. Uh, what you listen to makes a difference. Uh, because even if it's not affecting you, it's getting into the hands of the next generation. I'm reminded of a story in the book of, of, of Joshua when they got over to the promised land, there was a man by the name of Achan. And when they went to Jericho, God said, don't take anything from Jericho. Don't take one thing. I'm going to knock the whole city down, and only Rahab and her family is going to be saved, and I'm going to destroy it. And the Bible says this is going to be the Lord's city. It was, it was the, Lord's, the Lord's victory. And while Achan was there, he looked down in the rubble. And the Bible says he found a Babylonian garment and he found a couple pieces of silver and he took them into his tent. I want to tell you, if you, Achan wasn't just walking by one day and said, oh, this is a great idea. No, it had been something that had been going on in his mind for a while. I'm sure he probably thought to himself, I would sure, I would sure love a change of clothes because they've been walking in the wilderness for 40 years, no change of clothes. And, and no doubt he saw his opportunity uh, for a little bit of wealth and a little bit of money. It wasn't that God wasn't going to bless them. It's just that God was not wanting to use this to bless them. 
Amen. This was the, I want to say they, they conquered, I want to say about 10 cities. This was the tithe. He said, you don't touch that. And, and here in this moment, amen, Achan takes what is not meant to be his, and not only does he take it for himself, he hides it under his house. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to get to the happy stuff here in a moment, but I've got to tell somebody, you've got to be careful what you hide in your home. You've got to be careful what you hide in your home, because what you hide in your home is what you're hiding in your heart. You've got to be careful what you hide from your spouse, because what you hide from your spouse is what you're hiding in your heart. You've got to be careful what you're hiding from your kids, because what you're hiding from your kids is actually in your heart, and what you're hiding from everybody else, you cannot hide it from God. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. I think we ought to lift up our hands and magnify the Lord for just a moment. Oh, come on, let's pray. I just come to preach a little while. You got to be careful what you hide in your heart. You got to be careful what you hide in your home. You got to be careful what you hide in your thoughts. You got to be careful what you hide on your iPhone. You got to be careful what you hide on your iPad. You got to be. The Bible says that when it was all said and done, that Achan and his entire family were killed because of what he hid in his home. I want to tell you what you hide in your heart does not just affect you, it affects your kids. You know that little bottle of liquor for that really hard day that you don't think anybody knows about that you got in that, in that sock drawer? I'm preaching to somebody right now, and if I hit you, go home and dump it out. And you're trying to hide it. I want to tell you, I remember being a kid, um, don't record this one, brother. <laughs> I remember being a kid, and, uh, and, and my father, and, and, and please forgive me, I'm just telling a personal story, but I remember coming across my father's ridiculous stash of pornography. We're talking like he could fill an attic. And I was only 11 years old. And, and of course, that's, as an 11-year-old kid, you're just, it, it just blows your mind. But my dad thought he had it well hidden. But he didn't know was it was going to be it was going to be a decade long struggle that he was putting on his son and my father came in my room one day and he he said he knew I found it and he brought one magazine with him and he just wanted to tell me he said there's nothing wrong with this and now what he hid in his heart he's now trying to let get in my heart I thank God for the day that I came to church and a preacher preached to me because I want to tell you, that is a lie. That is not true. And just because you struggle with it doesn't mean it's right. And just because you haven't overcome it doesn't make it right. And don't put it on the next generation because you couldn't conquer it, that it's now acceptable. I want to tell you, there, there is no reason for you to be addicted to that. God can deliver you. I didn't come to condemn anybody. I've come to actually expose it. I want to tell you, there's victory. You don't have to get on the internet late at night. You, there's victory. You don't have to hide things in your house. Amen. Because what you hide in your house affects everyone in the house. Amen. What you hide in your heart affects everyone in the house. I want to preach to somebody. You've got to hide good things in your heart. You've got to hide the word of God in your heart. You've got to hide holiness in your heart. You've got to hide. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. I thank God for the day I came to church and I met some other church fathers that told me you don't need to hide that stuff in your house. You don't need to hide that stuff in your heart. Why don't you hide something else? I thank God for the day they gave me a Bible and they said you're going to get your way clear by hiding this word in your heart. Oh, somebody give him praise. I want to just say this. Kids do not do what they're told. All the parents said amen. They do what they're shown. Well, you need, a, you, need be a, you need to be at church. Well, if you don't show up to church, they ain't coming either. 
You need to love God. Well, if they've never seen you worship God, they ain't going to worship God either. You need to go to the altar. If they've never seen you go to the altar, they're never going to go to the altar. They, 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 because kids don't do what they hear, they do what they're they don't do what they're told. They do what they see. Amen. Kids don't do what they hear and what they're told. They do what they see. I'm not talking about five-year-old kids. I'm talking about 35-year-old kids. Amen. For those of you that you are, that aren't in church today and maybe you got in church a little late, they're still watching dad. They're still watching mom. They're still watching grandma. They're still watching grandpa. And they want to know, is church just a phase for you? Is church just a fad for you? Or is this something that really, amen, has your heart gripped? Amen, do you love God? Do you love church? Or is it just a phase? The only way for them to get a hold of it is you got to get it in your heart, and that got to come out in your actions. Let me speak to every man. Every man, we are the priests of our home. We are the guardians of our home. Amen. And to do that properly, we've got to guard our hearts. Because there's something, about, there's something about sin and condemnation. When you have, let me put it this way, when you have compromised in an area, you, you don't uphold that standard very high. Because men don't want to seem like hypocrites. And when a man is failing, he starts making things acceptable. And areas where he's failed, he gives his kids a pass. But this is why it's so important that you get your heart cleaned out. This is why it's so important that we get our hearts cleaned out, man. Because if we, get our, if we don't get our hearts cleaned out, what hope do our children have? What hope do the grandkids have? What hope does the church have? I want to preach to every, every man in the house of the Lord. You've got to guard your heart. Proverbs said you've got to guard your heart, for out of it come all the issues of life. There's a lot of things in life that are going to hit you. There's going to be a lot of hard days. You're not going to know what to do. Amen. And in those moments when you don't know what to do, if you've got an addiction in your heart, that's going to be what you turn to. That's going to be the thing that comes out of your heart. But if you guard your heart by the Lord, guard your heart with the word of the Lord, guard your heart with a prayer life, and Guard your heart with a worship life. When times get tough, you go to church. When times get tough, you go to the altar. When times get tough, your love for God comes flowing out. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. My question for every, every man, especially in the building, is what will your heart hand down? Every man, this is the most morbid thing I'll say on Father's Day, so forgive me. We're all going to die. Some sooner than others. I hope you all live real long. The truth is, I'm not ignorant to this. I'm going to bury some of you. All right, man, Pastor's really, really excited on Father's Day. You know, and everybody talks about in heaven, I have to give an account for your soul. But you know what? I have to give an account when your lost loved ones come to church, too. And I got to tell them about you. And man, there's some folks. I want you to live forever. But I've already got some great stories to tell your family. You know why? Because you love God. And it's in your heart. 
And when you die, I want to tell you what your heart's going to hand down. And for everyone in this building who's not so certain, man, am I living right? I want to tell you, there's some people, your, your kids have been watching you. And one day when they come to your funeral, they come to the church. Maybe it's their first time in church in a long time. They're going to look and they're going to go, man, this is the place that my mom loved. This is the place that my dad loved. This is the place that my grandfather loved. They're, they're, they're going to be something that, that when your heart, amen, goes down to the grave like David, amen, there were some things that were handed into the hands of Saul, some things that were in the heart of David got put into his son's hands. Uh, amen. What legacy will you leave? I got a question for every man. What do you love? What's in your heart? Amen. I want to tell you what, what your heart will hand down is what you love. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your talents? Where do you spend your treasures? I thank God. If you love fishing, go fishing. Take your kids fishing. But if all they know about dad is he loves fishing, amen, and you never pass down the greatest thing that he loved God, we've missed something. Amen. There's some greater things to hand down to the next generation. Uh, you know what? I've been doing this for the last several years. I've been buying Bibles, uh, and it's just something I do. I write my Bibles. i got a new one that I've been writing in, and I try to fill it up. I don't even have kids yet. Amen. But when I wrote this, when I, when I read this scripture today, I I wrote a nice little note to my future children. I said, before you were even born, I was preparing in my heart something I'm going to hand down to you. I want to tell you, what legacy are you going to hand down to the kids you already got? What legacy are you going to hand down to the grandkids you got? Are they going to say, Grandpa loved God or Grandpa loved fishing? Are they going to say that, that, that Dad, amen, Dad loved hunting? Are they going to say, Dad loved Jesus? Are they going to say, Dad loved his Bible and Dad loved worship? Are they going to say, Dad loved hanging out on the weekends and barbecuing? I hope they have good memories about camp. I hope they have good memories about barbecues. I hope they have great memories about all the good things. But Elder, I hope they have good memories of you coming by and laying hands on them in the prayer room when your kids were struggling and saying, God help them. God bless them. What will your heart hand down? I want to preach to every man. You got to love God. You got to love church. You got to love truth. You got to love holiness because what you love is what you'll hand down. Somebody clap your hands and let's stand all across the building. Somebody lift up your hands and let's magnify the Lord. Come on, Solomon, before you were even born, I started preparing to build a house for the Lord. Before you were even in my hands, I had the house of the Lord in my heart. Somebody pray in this house. Amen. For every man, every young man, every, every mother, every father, every woman, every child, I want to preach to you what's in your heart is going to be handed down to the next generation. You've got to have the right things in your heart. Somebody pray. Come on, let's pray for just a few moments. Thank you for letting me preach my heart to you today. I want to just tell you, ARC, I'm trying to pour my heart out to you. It's in my heart, but I want to get it in your hands. It's in my heart, but I want to get it in your hands. Amen. Every every saint of God, amen, if, if my job as the pastor, amen, is to put things in your hand, I want to make sure I've got a good heart. I want to make sure I've got things that are right in my heart so I can put that into you. I want you to think about some dads in the Bible. Adam is the first father in the Bible. Think about this for a moment. We always like to give Adam and Eve a hard time, but he had no example. And yet, minus the failure of Cain, because again, father, you're not defined by your son's failure. And sons, you're not defined by your father's failure. Can I preach to somebody about Korah? Korah failed. Dad failed. But the sons of Korah died not. 
in your Bible. And Adam, he trained his kids. What was in his heart? The, the first thing we see, and we just studied in our Bible, said Cain and Abel. They brought sacrifices to God. Where do you think they learned that from? They didn't get that from the, from the giraffe. They certainly didn't get that from the sheep. Because the sheep was like, I ain't about to be sacrificed. They got that from dad. How did dad get it? It was in his heart. Noah, he received grace into his heart. And the Bible says that the thoughts and the imaginations of everyone was only evil continually. Every man, every woman, every child in his generation was only wicked. The Bible says that in the last days that our world's going to be the same. We're not too far off of that, folks. You just got to get on your phone a minute. You see the debauchery that's going on, not just in one part. Of, it used to be that there was one part of society. You know, it used to be where there was just one Vegas. Now the whole world's a Vegas. Instagram's a Vegas. TikTok's a Vegas. Everything's all this, all this is a mess. But you know what Noah as a father did? The Bible says that God called to Noah and gave him grace, said, build an ark. And you're going to get your sons, and you're going to get your sons' wives in the ark. I want you to look at the time frame later when you can't study your Bible. He got that word before his sons were even born. He didn't even know he was going to have sons, but God said, I'm going to give you sons. He didn't even know that there was going to ever be a day where he was going to be able to find some women for his sons in this wicked world. But God promised before his kids were even born, if you will build the ark, if you will do the work of the Lord, I will make sure that your sons get on the ark, and I will make sure your sons have wives that they can marry. And because he received grace in his heart, his sons, he, mean, he, taught, he taught his sons how to serve God. He taught his sons how to do the work of God to build the ark. He taught his sons to marry godly women. He taught his sons how to get on the boat when the rain started falling. I want to tell you, fathers, don't, when you've been through trouble, don't hide that from your children. Tell them, when I was in trouble, this is what I did. Because if not, they'll start thinking dad's never had a hard day. You know, son, I was depressed once, but let me tell you what I did. I got on the boat. I went to church. He taught his sons how to be saved. And what was in his heart got into his son's hands. Abraham loved God before he ever had a son. And when Isaac was finally born, he watched his father with tears streaming down his face, getting ready to sacrifice the one thing he spent his whole life waiting for, to give up the one thing he loved the most. You know the great thing about that? I know it's a tough story, but Isaac served God his entire life. You know why? Because what's in your heart gets in their hands. Anybody ever heard the story of Rechab? One of the coolest stories in the Bible. A man by the name of Rechab made a vow to God that he would not drink wine. Not going to touch it. Not going to touch the stuff. And you know what happened years later? Jeremiah the prophet has got this clan over at his house called the Rechabites. These are the great, 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 great grandchildren of Rechab. Hoodites, I can't wait. Praise God. Whole generation. These Rechabites were there. And what does he do? He offers to them wine. And they said, sure, we'll take it. No, because what's in your heart will get in their hands. They said, no, Jeremiah, I know you're a prophet from the Lord. 
But our great, great, great grandfather, he told us not to do it. And he passed it down to his son. And his son passed it down to his son. And his son passed it down to his son. And his son pa- and he passed it down to me. And because it was in their heart, it got into my hands. And because it's in my hands, I got it in my heart. And finally, David. Before Solomon was ever born, he got it in his heart. He wanted to build God a house. Think about the scriptures. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing. Not five things, not ten things, not a 401k. One thing I've desired of God. And that's what I'm going to seek my whole life after. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He wrote that when he had not even built the temple yet. He wrote that scripture that one day, it was in his heart so much, he said, I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to tell you, there's some people in this building You love God so much. You love the church so much. You love the things of God so much. I want to tell you, and it comes out of you. Amen. Even when you don't see everything that God has promised to you, it's still in your heart. And because it's in your heart, you're going to hand that down to the next generation. I want you to lift up your hands all across this building. I'm done preaching. But what's your heart going to hand down? Amen. What's in your heart? Amen. What's the legacy that you're going to be able to hand down to your children, to your grandchildren? Amen. What's the, what's the legacy you're going to be able to hand down to some church kids that don't have a father in church? What, what, what is the legacy you're going to hand down to your stepkids? What's the legacy you're going to hand down? Amen. I want to tell you, whatever's in your heart is what you're going to hand down. I'd like at this moment every man, every young man to come down to the front. I won't embarrass you for nothing in the world. I'd like every man, every young man to come down to the front, just pack in. And I'd like all of the ladies come gather behind your husband, your son, whoever it might be. Whatever's in your heart is going to get in your is going to get in the hands of the next generation. And God understands this. He says, I will take from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. He said, I'll take all of the impure and wicked things out of your heart and I'll give you a heart after me if you'll ask for it, if you'll seek for it. Men, we've got a huge responsibility. I know in this generation they want to tell us that masculinity is toxic. No, weak men are toxic. Absent fathers are toxic. Deadbeat dads are are toxic. But dads that try their best are not toxic. Dads that show up are not toxic. Dads that try to teach their kids what's right and what's wrong, they're not toxic. Amen. I want to tell you, there's things God put inside of every man. He put it in your heart for a reason. There's some desires. There's some good things that God put in there. The worst thing you could do is let those things die with you. If God ever gave you anything, if God ever taught you anything, if God ever put anything good in your heart, please, for the love of God and the love of your kids, pass it down. I want everybody to lift up your hands. We're going to pray. I want every man to pray. What legacy are you leaving? What legacy are you passing down? Are you teaching your kids and grandkids about what really matters. 
Are you hiding good things in your heart? Ladies, I want you to pray with us. Pray with all of these men. We're going to begin to sing in a moment. But, but men, I want to tell you, what you think about really does make a difference on your heart. What you dream about really does make a difference on your heart. And if you've got impure thoughts, if you've got impure actions, I want you to pray right now, God, remove those things from my heart. Pray what David prayed. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. But if you've got things right, I want you to pray, God, give me an opportunity to tell my children about it. <laughs> Come on, that's it all across the building. As they begin to sing, I want you to pray. God, I want to hand down the right things from my heart. I want to hand down the good things from my heart. I don't want to hand down my hang-ups. I don't want to hang down my, my chips on my shoulders. I, I want to hand down strength to my kids. I want to hand down good intentions to my kids. I want to hand down blessings. What inheritance are you leaving? Your heart is what you're leaving to them. The memories with them are what you're leaving.
all today. He wants it all today. He wants it all. 